Welcome to the Rock Christian Church Podcast. Today's message is Peace or No Peace by guest speaker, Pastor Terry King. Today I just want to ask that, have that uh, title as Peace or No Peace, that is the question. And uh, I want to have that answer by the, end I get, by the time I get to the end of the sermon this morning. I want to answer my own question, you know, Peace or No Peace. We look at the, uh, the letter of Paul, uh, which is uh, the Philippians. If you have that open before you or have it in your phone or whatever, we're going to be looking at chapter 4 and verses 4 right through to verse 9. And while you're finding that in your Bible, I just want to say that Paul's letter to the Philippians was actually written to the first church on European soil. Uh, we often tend to think it's the Mediterranean or it's in around... Israel or places like that, but this was the first church that he had written to that was on European soil, and it was actually in the province of Macedonia, uh, which is just north of, of Greece. It was interesting also that Paul always has his pulse, his finger on the pulse. He always knew what was going on. I was surprised because it, it was actually this letter was written by that apostle from prison. And despite his own troubles and his own incarceration in Rome, this section of Paul's letter that we have this morning breeds a very incredible joy and a confidence that can only be explained by his own personal faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, no matter what he was going through. And interesting to hear Margaret this morning, you know, Lord, I want to be in your perfect peace and your will. I want to be in your will, despite I'm suffering, despite I'm going through this, this is where I want to be. And, um, and so he had this deep, profound love and affection for the Lord Jesus Christ. And as I look at this character, this Paul, I, I start to just try to understand him even more and more and as to why he even had this. And maybe the book of Philippians chapter 4 might help us to understand where we're going as a church. He thanks the Philippian people, for the gift that they had sent him. And he also pleads with them to have a humble attitude and that they rather to be controlled by that attitude than by any selfish ambition or even pride. And even in this time when we're seeing the hand of God at work within our church and as we're preparing for a new property, it can be so easy for us to just sort of Oh, aren't we just fantastic? It's so incredible. And we're doing this and we're doing that and we can start to be prideful. And that's not where we really want to be. That's where we're not wanting to work towards. And so he, Paul, is saying that I don't want you to be prideful or to have selfish ambition. And he was probably referring to two people that were in that church at the time, Euodia and Syntyche, who were... Loggerheads with one another, they were not in a very good space and in a very good place. And, um, and so he was well aware of the fact that they could destroy the peace that would and should have been within the life of the church there and then. So even though these lovely Christian women were out of sorts with each other, they had been co-workers to actually spread the gospel. And they had been used quite impressively by God And Paul wished that at least they would agree together. 
As I said, Pastor Kerry encouraged us last week to, walk, to, walk, to work towards the future and to trust God and the leadership, actually. And I really appreciated that because you did make that comment that we, we trust our leadership that when they're working forward for you on our behalf, that, that they are doing the right thing. And I suppose Tony gave us that little bit of a clue today that there is such a lot that we have to go through and that we want to maintain that right place with God. And I feel that today, if there's any time that we need to be at at peace is really now and in the future. Not that we shouldn't have been in the the past. Of course we should have. And and I I find that 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 peace is so important and we need that peace as we move towards buying our own property. So I want to look at three headings that are found in this section of Philippians. We're going to read Philippians chapter 4 and and verse 4. Paul encourages the church and he says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And again I say, rejoice. Let your forbearing spirit be made known to the men. The Lord is near. Be anxious for nothing but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all comprehension, shall guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brethren, whatever is true, whatever is honourable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence and of anything worthy of praise, let your mind dwell on these. And the things that you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace shall be with you. So Paul had already made a very positive remark about the Philippian church in chapter 1, and I might just quickly refer to that because it has quite a significant bearing on what and how the church was. And it was in uh, chapter 1, verses 27 to 30. He says, Only conduct yourselves in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or remain absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel, in no way, and in no way alarmed by your opponents, which is a sign of destruction for them, but of salvation for you, and that too from God. For to you it has been granted for Christ's sake, not only to believe in him, but also to suffer for his sake. There you go, Margaret. (laughs) Experience the same conflict which you saw in me and now here in me and here to be in me. And so this is the emphasis that that is within this book of Philippians. So if I want to have that peace, there are things that I need to go through. It just doesn't automatically slip out of the sky. It doesn't then just get deposited into my life. I've got to do something in order to maintain that peace or to even receive that peace. There's many a time that we become anxious and, it, and, it, and ridiculously anxious sometimes. Um, we, we struggle, we, we strive, we stress, we do a whole lot of stuff. And, 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 and then we look back at it and go, what? was I doing? What was I doing that for? I knew the answers. I knew what to do. I knew what to apply. 
Now, I'm not trying to say today that we all have to be perfected in this peace by the time we move into Six Hook Street. We need that peace after we move into that place. We need that continuation of peace. You know, if there's any church that I have enjoyed over these, you know, these last seven years that, that I've been here, is, 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 this is the church. And one thing that I love about it is that there is this maintenance of, of peace and unity and of, of, a, of a real definite idea in your minds that we'll do everything possible to maintain that and that we will, we will possess what God has ordained for us as a church. And so he, Paul, has made these remarks. And so today I just want to look at the first heading, which is about the needs. So the needs of each believer were those characteristics of glad self-submission and obedience to the will of God, which were exemplified as we read in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 5 and 8 to 8, but I won't go to that. But as Paul analyzes that individual needs, he sees them to require assurance at two points. The first one is in verse 7, where he says that if you want that reassurance and that assurance that all is going to go well, he says the peace of God will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. He, you need to have that peace. It will keep your heart and your mind. And then in verse 9 he says, and the God of peace shall or will be with you. There's some very, very important words in there. It says the God of peace will keep your heart. There's no question, there's no doubt. We know that he does. And so if there's any of us today that are even wondering or concerned or anxious Today, I hope that this will help you, that there is this amazing possibility, this amazing assurance that God will keep your heart and your mind by his peace and that the God of peace will be with you. The first need that we have is to actually garrison or to guard your heart and your mind. You need to guard it. You need to protect it. You need to be alert to what your mind is going to think about. And we're bombarded by so much today in the secular world. Your television, your, your, your phone, circumstances in the family. There's so much that just bombards our mind and our heart. And, uh, but God is saying here, and he says that it's very possible that, the, that you need to garrison and to guard your heart and your mind. And it might appear that today I'm actually speaking over and over again about verses 7 and 9 in particular, but they are so pertinent to, to what we're on about. And it says, And God's peace, which is far above all understanding, far above it, will keep your heart and your mind safe in the union with Christ Jesus. There's important words in that, is that if we want that peace, we need to be in continuous communion and union with Jesus Christ himself. There's no other way that we will find that peace. He says, I am the peace. I am peace. And it is the mind astray from God which actually causes our downfall. I'm not telling you anything. You know, the moment we start just looking at the wrong things or doing the wrong things, we are and distracted, we're on the spiral down. And when then we, 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 we either will become a mess or we will just then at that time call out to God. And so we need to then be people who have our mind renewed in Christ, which is the growing point of a new life of a child of God. 
And in Romans chapter 12, verse 1 and 2, it talks about what we need to do is to offer our lives as a sacrifice uh, to God and that we be putting on ourselves on the altar and letting God do the work in us. So as we're preparing to take on this new adventure, if there's any time that we do need peace and unity, and it is now, and, um, and, and God is preparing our hearts for this amazing future, I am so excited and I, seem, I sound really, really strange saying it because it's like a cliche, but I am so excited about what God has in store for us. And so at this point, the outward impact of the church upon the world depends upon how we are working this out inwardly. If we want to make that impact, and we say it here in the church, the pastor speaks about it, I speak about it, we all speak about it, but it's not going to happen if there's not that inward work that is happening in, uh, to happen in our church to make us go forward and to make that impact. And so I'm not trying to say to you, well, I think you're all in a, you know, you're not doing the right thing. That's not at all. I know that there's so many people in this church, if not all of the church, is eager to maintain that unity, but also to be in a good relationship with Jesus Christ himself and to have that safe union with him. And uh, so this, in turn, depends on sanctified individuals, how we are sanctified and then also who will keep their heart and their mind, their mind and their heart, in Christ Jesus. The second need is for a conscious presence of God. And that has been a, a, a beautiful experience within our church over these last many months in particular. There's this, this strong desire for us to really move into to where God is. It's it's not some distant person out there, you know, like we're, I can feel that we're just pressing in. We just want to press into God. It's like we want to touch him. We want to have that experience. Now, that's, that is where I want to be every Sunday. Um, and so it says in verse 9, it says, put into practice what you have learned and received from, both from my words and from my actions, and the will and the God of peace will be with you. So I've mentioned that even in our morning services, such as even this morning, in our worship service last Sunday, uh, not uh, Sunday, a couple of weeks ago, um, in our life group, and mine, I only speak on behalf of mine, but last Wednesday night was a phenomenal night and an outpouring of God's love and grace and healing. And we were pressing into God. There was nowhere else for us to go. And when we, when we were sort of discovering what we needed to do. And, and I remember uh, Pastor Kerry just made a remark as she came to our life group. And she says, I really enjoyed your little Bible study on, on, on the Holy Spirit. And uh, I said, oh, thank you. That was really nice. And so I, I knew I'd sort of spent some time to prepare it and, and put some detail into it. And I said, well, actually, Kerry, I'm going to be speaking a little bit about the Holy Spirit. Let's, we, we're going to do this as a part of our life group. And uh, little did we know that it was, it was not just a, a Bible study, it was the, the presence of God and the Holy Spirit himself who came and visited us and performed an amazing healing and a miracle in a person's life, if not all of our lives, when we were part of it. And so the second heading that I want to just uh, refer to today is that, firstly, there's the needs. The second thing is that there are the promises. The promises. Paul talks of three satisfying promises in three phrases. 
Again, I, re I repeat them. It's which passes all understanding is the first one. The second is the peace of God will keep. And then the third one is that the God of peace will be with you. By the time you leave this sermon this morning, you'll go, I think I've got the message. I hope that's what I'm trying to get across today, that you're going to go away with something really, really helpful to your life. The first promise is, is that our lives will be touched with the evidence of the supernatural. I, there's no point in my coming to church if we don't have that touch of the supernatural. If we, it, otherwise, it's a ritual. It's just a humdrum. It's just whatever happens, it doesn't matter. I'll come in at, at 9.30, go out at 10.30 or quarter to 11 or whatever it is. And, and, and it just, you know, but no. And so I encourage you, if I can encourage you or implore that when we come, that we, we, we want to move in that, not only that unity and have that peace, but also we, we actually want to be touched with the evidence of the supernatural. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, all comprehension, will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. In other words, that which transcends all power of conception, all power of conception, and beyond the range of our comprehension, God is big. He is far beyond anything that we ever think. Anything. And, he's, and we, ha, you know, like, he's, I can barely find the words. And you and I are sitting here today knowing that we have testimonies of just how profoundly God did that. He was way beyond our comprehension. We go, oh, well, where did that come from? Or, I only had to be God that answered that, that request that you had pleaded with inside yourself in a private time, thinking no one ever heard you, but God did. What the church and you and I need more than anything today is that touch of the supernatural, something that cannot be explained except by saying that was the finger of God on the, the service or our circumstance or whatever. You know, we can... We can sit on the edge of a pool. You know, it's getting summer and some of us have got pools. I don't, but people have pools. They, we have pools around the place. Or, and, and we can, as a church, we can either sit on the edge of that pool and just put our feet in it and just sort of wiggle them in our, the toes in the water and then say, oh, well, that was refreshing and that was nice. Or you could actually decide to get right into the pool and to enjoy the whole experience of that pool, and to just swim and enjoy, and so on. And so I just sensed that, that there was a little, little picture in my mind when I was preparing this, that that's what he says. Terry, you can sit on the edge of the pool and dangle your feet in and just you know, wave the water a little bit, or you can enter deep into it. And you can enjoy the benefit of that pool. You can splash, you can jump, you can swim, you can dive, you can enjoy the whole experience of the water. And so today I'm just saying that, you know, God has got this amazing pool for us. And it depends on where you want to be. Now, sometimes we are a little tentative. I'm a little bit tentative sometimes. And I might sit on the edge of the pool, just watching, just being certain... And then eventually it strikes you, well, I'm missing out here. I need to get in. And so if that's any help to you, try to not just be on the edge but get in to where, 
we are enjoying the experience of the pool of God. The second promise is of guardianship and companionship. The peace of God will keep and the God of peace will be with you. Again, I speak these phrases and these words from the Bible. And so that promise is, a, is, is there. It's of guardianship. It's companionship. And imagine the mind. Imagine your mind as a castle or a citadel. If it can be held, there is progress in sanctification. There is renewal and you can go forward. Especially if the mind is garrisoned strongly. The walls are constantly patrolled. And that's up to you. It's up to you. It's when you do your Bible study, your little verses of scripture that might come up on your screen. I have one that comes up at 8 o'clock. I know 8 o'clock is a strange time. But at about 8 o'clock, I'm ready to go to work. And I just have this little verse that comes up on my phone, Bible Inspirations. And I read it and have a little devotional. It only takes a couple of minutes. But you know, that is an impacting time. It's that time when I'm in the busyness. It's all right to sort of read the Bible when you're quiet, but then there's that little busy time. And Lynn and I both, I think yours is set at eight, isn't it? Yeah. And, uh, and so we, we try to, as we're leaving, we just have this, this opportunity of just capturing something else of God. And what does it do? It actually helps garrison and, and, and patrol our mind. We reflect on it. We start to just gravitate to what it says and go and then make that application of it. Meanwhile, inside the castle or citadel, the heart and the thoughts are alike, are kept in quietness, for the peace of God will be with you. So any anxious moment, anything that would seek to just put you into that state of, it can just serenely bring you into that quietness. And God blesses you. The third promise is peace itself. The peace of God, the God of peace. And peace in this context is surprisingly full of vigour and strength. It's not marshmallow. It's not something that's just a vapour that just goes off. But it's, it's got substance. It's got it's what, as I said here, it's full of vigour and it's of strength. That's what the peace is about. And the God of peace is the God who makes peace between himself and you. He did it on the cross, but we need to maintain that. We need to, re- to work and live in that. We need to know who we are and what God has done and that the God of peace is that God who made that peace between us and him. Another example is when Christ, after his resurrection, he appeared to the disciples and he says, peace be with you. There's no other words that he spoke virtually. In John chapter 20, verse 19, peace be with you. If there was anything that they needed was to hear that, wasn't it? How were they feeling? Distressed, disturbed, anxious. And he then says, well, he didn't go, oh, you stupid idiots. You know, why didn't you know that I was going to be resurrected? There was no, no uh, accusing. There was nothing there that was, was um, you, know, uh, you know, telling him that he wanted to discipline them. Typical. The beauty of Christ, he says, peace be with you. Peace be with you. And this is not just g'day. G'day, mates, I hope you had a lovely night or whatever. But it's to underline a surprising and splendid reality. That was the peace. They needed that peace. And then the God of peace is also the God of power. 
the God of power, in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 20, the God of peace who brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus. Wow. The great shepherd of the sheep by the blood of the eternal covenant. So here we have it. We just have a few selection of verses from the scriptures that confirm just who and who he is and what he can do. And amidst of all of this, God places individual Christians in the place of the most demanding responsibility. <laughs> I think we all testify of that. You know, all of a sudden, it's not just wine and roses. You know, it's um, not just uh, cake and the cream on the top all the time. But there is a, a demanding responsibility. And each of us must consider that the forward march and the resolute stand at the same time. We stand firm, but we still march as well. It sounds stupid, but it's not. And so the, the, the forward march and the resolute stand of the church in this world depends directly on the state of our heart and our mind and the quality of our holiness. And there are people that watch us. There are people that look at us. And sadly, we just get everything bombarded upon us through our media and just how terrible the church really is. We know better. And the world can say whatever they can say. They think they'll bring peace, but they won't. Peace only comes from God himself. I was so, it was just a sideline. You know, I was listening and they, and I was probably frustrated by the fact that they was in the news and, and they were saying we we're going to, we have, you know, we're going to talk about with um, Melania Trump about her, all the infidelities of the, pre, of, the, of the president. So we go, oh, golly, you know, we don't want to listen to this anyway. I'm pleased I did because they interviewed her and, and she didn't even make any mention of it. She was confident, and, I, and I, I'm, not, I'm not naive, I'm just trying to say that it just shows you how they can get you in by making a statement and I thought we were going to hear, and that's probably Lyndon my fault, it was, what, what infidelities, we probably know if he did, but I don't want to make judgment, surely. But it was wrong. You know what I'm saying? That they, they, they say wrong things. And, and uh, I suppose it's to get us into, in and to listen to what we think is going to be gossip. And yet they made, she made other comments, and we were amazed at her, her stand on what she could see was good in the man or what was good about the situation and 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 so it's like to me she just said I'm going to rest in this piece she didn't say it that way but it was that's a little bit what I learned I thought well even amidst all of that which comes upon us we can just settle we can rest in that peace so God is the mighty indwelling worker furthermore he is the God who will set his supernatural work and mark upon our lives to be the guard and the companion. The third point, and the last one, is um, the conditions. Thank you, Stephen. And so there are conditions. It's all right for us to go, well, this is what I want. I have these needs. I, I know there's going to be these promises, but what do I have to do about this? And so... In verses 7 and 9, it does not say the peace of God will keep your hearts and the God of peace will be with you. And you're going, what have you just, you just said that for the last you know, 30 minutes in the sermon? But what I'm trying to say here is that there's a word. And before that, it says an and the peace of God and the God of peace. In other words, the promises are ours on certain specified conditions. 
Now, I could have left that sermon there and just go, oh, well, that was so nice. I hope you would have said that. You know, it was nice. It was a lovely sermon about peace and what peace is all about. But it requires something from us. It does. It really requires something from us. If we want the promises to be fulfilled, then we must exercise ourselves in obedience to the commands of God. And these can be stated in four distinct laws. The first one is the law of our relationships and the centrality of the Lord Jesus Christ. That song that you have written, Stu, is, is about the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. And why was it such a powerful song to us this morning? Because it was who and what we feel about him. It's what we know about him. He is our Lord of Lords. He is the King of Kings. He is who he says he is. And so that's why we, we press in, we declare it. And in that declaration, we're, we're actually having a relationship with Jesus Christ himself. We're expressing it through our lips and through our song of how wonderful he is. And so he is the Lord. It tells us in, in verse 4, it says, Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. And again, I actually say, says Paul, I rejoice. In other words, he was in confirming this point that that's the best place to be is to be in him. The essence of the matter is to, to value Jesus Christ. He is to be our joy. The second thing is, is that there is the law for our circumstances. In verse 6, it tells us to have no anxiety about anything. No anxiety about anything, but in everything, by prayer and thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. So firstly, we have this relationship, not only with Jesus Christ, but with one another. We also have this, this, this understanding that if there's anxiousness, what do we do? Paul offers here a timeless and a universal remedy for anxiety. What is it? It's prayer. I listened to the advertisement on 96.5 about the coming Billy Graham uh, meetings that will be held next year. And apparently Billy Graham would say, in preparation for the... the uh, what did he used to have? Um, Crusades, thank you. I couldn't think of the word. I know Lynn got saved at a crusade. Uh, 1959, I think it was, yeah. Um, but, um, and, and apparently he would just say, you pray, you pray, and you pray. That's the preparation. If we're moving into Hook Street, it's not just, well, I hope Tony does a good job, I hope the board do a good job, I hope Pastor Sean knows what he's doing, Blah, 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 blah. You know, that's not exactly how it's supposed to be. If there's anything that we need to be doing is that we are in prayer. I'm really encouraging you to be in prayer because this will be finalised by and only by God himself. It's not by the, the expertise of, of, of Tony, Sean or the board or the elders or whatever. It will be by him himself. And so prayer is the antidote to anxiety and the prelude, believe it or not, to the enjoyment of that peace and committing ourselves and trusting the sovereign God who is in charge of our life and our church. The third thing is that Paul lays down the law for our thoughts and discipline of our minds. In verse 8, he says, Fill your minds with these things that are good and that deserve praise, that are true. 
that are noble, that are right, that are pure, that are lovely and honourable. And think upon those things. I use this in, in my work at school as a school chaplain. Some of the kids that come and they're all having fights or whatever and they're in trouble and they say, oh, but he said something and she didn't and then, and, and I said, change your thinking. Get rid of the stinking thinking and put on something that's going to make you feel better. So the mind must be held on course, I tell them. And it is for us as well. And it is the will of God that by giving our attention to these things of which he approves, he should then shape our minds or we should shape our minds into the likeness of his mind. I want the mind of Christ. And fourthly, and hopefully lastly, of course, we find a law for behaviour. In verse 9 it says, What you have learned and received and heard and see in me, do them. And he was game enough to say, Look, I can set this example. I know where I am and who I am in Christ. And if we are to know the presence of the God of peace, then for certain we must seek the life of which he approves. And so... The answer. So if we as a church are to stand fast in the face of the world, then we must give primary attention to the inequality of our personal sanctification. I reiterate this. And the state of the individual heart and the mind and our thoughts. If, however, we are to enjoy the power of God at work in our inner being then we must give attention to those outward laws which God imposes upon us. And he imposes them in a nice way. He's not there with a 4 by 2 and a whip or whatever. But he imposes them, why? Because he loves us. He loves us. He wants us to remain in his laws and, and function in that way because that's safe. It brings safety. It brings security. It brings a whole measure of and the of peace and peace then moves across the face of the church and it settles and it rests so he has these laws to impose upon us relationships that are modelled upon Jesus Christ himself circumstances surrounded by prayer the mind drilled in godly thinking and the life subjected to the word of God so let these things be so and the peace of God, which passes all understanding, all your comprehension, will keep your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus, your Saviour, and the God of peace today will be with you. May God bless you. Thanks for listening to the Rock Christian Church podcast. To be notified when the next episode is available, subscribe on our website at therock.org.au. You can also connect with us on Facebook at The Rock Christian Church. We hope you have been blessed today and we look forward to you joining us for our next episode.